Hey, Dad. What, Maggie? What did the banana say to the other banana? I don't know what. You appealed to me. Oh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is episode 141, and my name is Stephen Dutzman. I am your host, as always. This is a very special episode. Uh, We are going to talk with Evan in a ride-along interview where we talk about some of the things he was excited about from E3. Yes, we are still talking about it because it's a big deal. Um, And following that, I'm going to have a special interview from a woman who is here to help promote her Kickstarter campaign for an Edible Games cookbook. This is super cool. Jen's awesome. Um, She's worked in the video game industry too. So we have a really awesome conversation when we talk about her project, but also, you know, kind of her history in games. And also we take a little side tangent to talk about like learning technical skills in school versus creative pursuits as an adult, which I think is kind of an interesting topic. So um, buckle up. It's a wild ride. Um, Literally half of it being uh, a ride in a car. So I do hope you guys have a great day and uh, here we go. I am the editor-in-chief of EngagedFamilyGaming.com, and this is a ride-along discussion about E3 2018. We are about a week out from when I came back from the show, um, and this is the first opportunity that, really, that Evan and I have had to talk about how he felt about the show. As I was there, I watched the press conferences there, I played a lot of the games hands-on, but I really didn't get to see his reaction or, you know, Evan's reactions to some of the announcements. So I thought we would take some time and talk about what he thought, um, being that he is a kid um, who's super into the game space, um, and kind of go from there. So Evan, um, did you want, how many of the press conferences did you watch? The only press conference I watched live was um, EA. I watched the Nintendo press conference in bits and pieces, and I and I heard about it from the podcasts that you listen to. Yeah. From all over sorts of places, so I know basically what happened. But like, I, but I felt that I wasn't as like, <sighs> E three wasn't as insane this year for me as it was last year. Okay, I mean I think that's fair, um, and that's. Truthfully, that's something that we felt a lot while we were in L.A., that, you know, it was a big show, but for games for families specifically, I think it was a lower-key year, um, just because there's just not, there wasn't as much. Now, I mean, we can get really hype about Smash, and I know we're going to do that in a minute. You have a story that you want to tell. Yes. But we'll talk about Smash in a minute, but, so, you watched EA Live. Yeah. And the big piece of EA was Anthem. So tell me yes. um, tell me what your thoughts are right now about Anthem. I think Anthem is going to be awesome, but I know that you that um, mom doesn't think that it's going to be for Jake and Megan because of, well, the content that we saw. So I'm probably going to have the same restrictions that I have for Anthem that I have with Destiny. I can play it. But I can't play it when Jake and Megan are at home. I think that's probably true. Um, you know, it is. the game is rated T for Teen, uh, or at least I believe that it will be rated T for Teen, and it comes out February 22nd of next year, at which point you will be almost 13. Um, so I think at this point I am, um, you know, feeling pretty good about your ability to play that game. Um, what did you think about some of the footage that they showed off and, you know, some of the details they showed? Like, what were, you know, the, the different javelins. It looks like there's four different classes. So, Evan, uh, why do you think you want to end up being the Colossus javelin most of the time? Because I'm in games and most of the time either a character that has a lot of health and is more powerful towards the end, which is a tank, or I am a character that is 
throw away. I can die as many times as necessary, but I will do damage. Okay. And so, okay. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, I I am really interested in the Interceptor, which as of right now, they haven't told us anything about. That was that weird green one that was in the trailer. Uh, those of you listening, if you're interested in what, in what we're talking about, um, just look up Anthem footage from EA. Um, and, you know, we'll put a link to the video in the description. But watch that video. Um, it is super cool. Um, uh, but the good news is, by the end of the main story mode, you'll actually have all four javelins and be able to customize them. So you won't always be stuck playing one. That's one of the reasons why I actually am really kind of excited about Anthem in that I'm not really locked into one class. I personally love being flexible. It's one of my favorite things about World of Warcraft is that you can kind of change what you're doing. Um, and Overwatch. And Overwatch, you can change the character. Like I like being able to move around um, and do different things even though I'm kind of playing the same way so I, that that's got me excited about anthem um, the, what do you th what did you think about the scale of that game right like one of the, that's one of the things that caught me like everything is so big the world is huge and the monsters are huge what did, was that interesting most definitely I always like to fight big things all okay. the time okay so that's anthem. Um, and that was the opening for EA. I mean, obviously, you know, we know you're not a big Madden or FIFA guy, but, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, we, we were certainly interested in some of the information from Star Wars Battlefront. We haven't bought Battlefront 2 yet. I think that's something that maybe we'll be looking at towards the end of this year, just because it, it's starting to look like they have finally figured out that what they did with the loot boxes was wrong. Um, and so I feel a little bit better, and I think supporting them is a good idea. What do you think about that? Yes. I think that is a great idea. Okay. Um, it doesn't hurt that there's a whole bunch of free DLC, um, you know, and all sorts of new maps and modes that, you know, they're not quote-unquote new to us because we'll be getting them all at once. Um, so next was, so Microsoft announced, you know, 50 games, most of which were not super family-friendly. Did you see any of the footage from the new Ori and the Will of the Wisps game? No, not really. I... Because um, when during E3, I um, I was I was a little bit blocked out because mom she uh. was a little bit strict, and she was also getting kind of mad with stuff. She's mom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's mom. Well, also you had school, and a lot of the press conferences yeah. were were while you were at school. So. Um, I mean, they, they, they gave us confirmation the new Ori and the Will of the Wisps game is coming out later, or coming out next year, I'm guessing, sometime early, because when we played it, it played pretty well. Um, so that's exciting, because we definitely all loved Ori and the Blind Forest. Yes. Um, that was one, that's one of our favorite Xbox games. Even if it's really hard, it's still one of our favorite games. I have to finish it, I think, at some point. You do. Um, but it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. So... Um, well, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this. Um, you know, Battletoads. All right, well, Battletoads, which that's a three-player cooperative game. I think we fix our Xbox controller. We're going to have to get a third Xbox controller so we can play it um, because I want to play that game. Um, that game's also going to be really hard because the original Battletoads was crazy tough. Also, what's that? What's this thing about Cuphead that I've been seeing all over so the place? So they added a... So Cuphead is getting DLC with a new island and a third playable character. So a is it a character called Miss Chalice? Is it, al Chalice. is it also going to be three player? Uh, I doubt it. Ah, oh. I doubt it. At least they didn't tell us, but I think it's just a third playable character. So, um, well, let's go to the chase. Let's get to Nintendo because I think Nintendo really did the the best work for families um and and i think it really comes down to they confirmed the information about smash brothers ultimate so we know all the characters are back in it so you told me that you had a story that you wanted to tell on the podcast about 
watching the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate reveal, you were in a class that was not really doing anything, so everyone was just independently using the computers. Yeah. You went on YouTube, you brought up the Nintendo presentation. Yeah, I was watching it. I was convinced that um, it was later in the week. I didn't know when it was. I thought it was like on Wednesday. It was it was Tuesday. I it was a there was nothing to do. It was my la- it was the last class of the day. I was about to get on the bus. So um, I halfway through the class, I decided to go on. I went onto YouTube and I saw and all over the place because YouTube knows what I watch. All over the place, it was Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, Pokemon, everything like that. I flipped on Smash Brothers because. That's more important to me. I was watching it. I was like, okay, it's it seems like the same. The order, like, Mario, other people, other people. And then they revealed, and then they showed Ice Climbers. While I was watching that, the whole class was dead silent. I was watching with headphones, so I didn't know that. When they showed Ice Climbers, I literally freaked out. I thought I was being quiet. Apparently, I yelled... I said, oh my god! I was, I thought I was being quiet. According to everyone else, I yelled at, I was yelling at the top of my lungs. I guess the volume was too high. Everybody was looking at me. And they just kept going on with with everything. And I kept getting really excited. No one understood why. And still, after I explained it to them at the end of the class, they were like, I don't get it. Why are you so excited about Smash Brothers? just a video game well they just don't understand so but let me tell so tell me you so you watch the announcements what specifically about ice climbers got you so hyped it's the, it's because so I when we played in the when we played it on the Wii I was I I didn't really play it but I know how attached people are to those characters like Snake and Ice Climbers and everyone else. Then they got, and then everyone was a little bit mad when they didn't bring them back in Smash 4. Yeah. And what, I went to someone else's house and I was like, I'm going to play a character that I've never played before. So I played Ice Climbers and I really liked them. How come? I don't know. It's just fun. Okay. I also had no one else to play because I didn't have Cloud. Okay, well, so for those listening, Ice Climbers are, you know, they're, it's a, it's, what's interesting about Ice Climbers is, is that it is a pair of characters. So um, you play as two characters that kind of follow each other around on the map. They use team attacks. Um, they're kind of, in, they're, they're cool in that way. But if one of them gets eliminated, you still have, um, you know, you still have half of your team left so you can keep fighting. Your moveset is more limited and you're more vulnerable, obviously, because they're only one person, but it does kind of give you a second chance. Um, it is, they are from Melee on the GameCube, um, and they took a couple of games off. No, they, they were in the Wii one, too. They were in Brawl? Yeah, they were in Brawl. Okay, so they were in they were in Melee, which is on the GameCube, and they were on Brawl, which was on the Wii. But they they were not there for Smash Brothers Wii U, which I think a lot of people were confused by. Um, but now they're back because every because and, and this is the big key: every character that has ever been in a Smash game is in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, which is really cool, you know. I mean, there, like you said, a lot of people are very attached to characters that were gone. Um, I had a conversation with the guys from the Family Gamers, and they remember how they were big fans of Pichu on Smash Melee. Um, Isn't Pichu overpowered? At, I, in, at sometimes. I don't really know. I'm really bad at knowing the meta with Smash because I've never really played it competitively. Do, isn't it the Meta Knight? Don't be like that. So, I don't know the meta game for what characters are better than others generally in Smash games because I play very casually. In fact, I'm bad at it. Uh, but I'm hoping that now that we have Smash Ultimate, 
um, and we will be doing more streaming as the year goes goes by, that I will hopefully get better so that we uh, can have more competitive fights. Are you going to get better, like, Nintendo World Championships better? No, I don't think I'll ever get that good, but I like the idea of getting a little bit better. So, so that's Smash. I mean, what other games did you see get announced at the show, or did you see coverage from the show that, like, really got you excited? I mean, we know that we're hype about Smash, and we're going to be talking about Smash a lot between now and when it comes out. Um, but what other games really caught your attention? Um, after Smash, I think that was it. I didn't even, um, I, I liked, um, I watched the Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu trailer. That was cool. Evan, so you said to me a while ago that if they put out another Pokemon game and it was Generation 1, just to make the Gen 1ers happy, you would be not happy with it because you wanted something new. Are you okay with the fact that Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee are all about Generation 1, that first 150 Pokemon? I'm I'm happy because it I liked Pokemon Go and the and the and it seems like Pokemon Go plus the main RPGs combined. Okay. So this also isn't a new generation game, right? Like this is yes. this is kind of a spin-off. Yes. Okay. And so you're okay with spin-offs being focused on the original 150? Yeah. Okay. So which one of those two do you think we need to get? Both. Well, both probably isn't going to happen, buddy. Those are expensive games. So which... Because this is the... I mean, this is a good topic, right? Like, normally when they release two copies... Historically, when they've released two copies of a Pokemon game, they were $40 a piece. Yep. Whereas now they're $60 a piece. And I don't know about anybody else listening, um, you know send us a message or tweet at us and tell us what you think. But I think there is a world of difference between $80 and $160. Yeah. Or a hundred, what am I saying? Between $80 and 120 And even yep. more, if you're going to get both games and you want a Pikachu and you want one of the Pokeball Plus controllers, um, that makes yeah. it $170 for both of those Pokemon games, that's like, that's almost 200 bucks. That's yeah. all, that's, that's an entire Nintendo 3DS XL. Yeah. Right there. So I think a lot more families are gonna have to choose this time around. Yes. Hey Maggie, you're sitting in the back seat. Which one of those do you want? Do you want Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu or Pokemon Let's Go Eevee? She's, um, she she's tired um so what did she voice, whisper to you she said she wants both of them but I, but if we're if we have to choose because then again it does have local co-op yep. i think we are going to have to get let's go pikachu because we, mom likes pikachu yeah. megan likes pikachu we all like pikachu Megan wants Evie, but Megan, if we only could get one of them, which one? But you can only get one. Okay, so she's pretty insistent on both. That's probably not going to happen. But like I said, I think I, I want to know what the audience thinks. Um, which ones are you guys going to get? Are you getting Pikachu? Are you getting Evie? One thing that I do think is... Um, Dad, do a Twitter poll. Of it. Oh, we it. totally would. I did a Twitter poll, and I actually, on the Twitter poll, I got a lot of people saying that they were going to get Eevee. But I think I'm going to do a Facebook poll, too, soon. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting is normally, like, Pokemon Sun and Moon, for example. Like, they're different games, but really not a big difference, right? It, yeah, legendary but difference. But it feels like... With this one, the difference is of is, is pretty big because one, you have Pikachu like hanging on your back, and the other one you have Eevee sitting on your head. And it really is like you have to declare your allegiance to one of these two mascot Pokemon. Well, that's also and I think that's gonna be kinda tough. Because I think Yeah, I like both of them. I yeah, really do. I think it's smart for Nintendo 
and the Pokemon Company to pick another mascot Pokemon other than just Pikachu. You know? Yeah. Like, just because Eevee is really cute and Eevee has a lot of fans. Um, give us a new Eeveelution. I mean, in order to give us a new Eeveelution, they have to give us a new type, right? No. There isn't a steel-type evolution. There isn't a fighting-type evolution. There isn't a flying-type evolution. There isn't a ghost-type evolution. First off, why isn't there a metal-type, a steel-type evolution? Because there isn't. Well, I mean, but a robot Eevee would be pretty rad. Good point. Am I wrong? And uh, so, so they just add a new evolution every once in a while. I mean, the there's, last a, there's e- a poison type, right? No. No, there's, the most recent one they added was a fairy type evolution. There is no dragon type either. There's no dragon type evolution? There's no rock type, and there's no ground type either. Wow. There is not a dragon type evolution. We're going to have to do some research. You're going to have to dig into the YouTubes. Because we're gonna need to write a guide for it for all the people that get Pikachu, um, let who get the Eevee version. If there are Eeveelutions in that game, were there Eeveelutions in Gen One? Yeah, Flareon, Vaporeon, and 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 Jolteon. So we're gonna have to make sure that we include a guide on how to get those Eeveelutions. <sighs> all of them. Yep. Well, you're gonna have to dig up the details, kid. That's easy. Well, we don't know. We're gonna have to, but we're gonna have but, to do the guide. I know. So, um, yeah, we're. I mean, I think we're gonna have to get Pikachu too. I think that's the one that I want. I don't know if I'm gonna play this game. I mean, I guess I have to. You d- you haven't played any of the other Pokemon games. That's not true. You're only on the first. You've played. You played a little bit of. Of no, you almost beat Pokemon X, but then Jacob decided he wanted to do a Nuzlocke, but so then he, but then he failed to do his Nuzlocke, and he decided to catch multiple Pokemon on the route. And well, okay, so Nuzlocks are a complicated animal. Yeah. So, um, all right, so. That's our discussion so far. Um, you know, obviously, everybody should uh, keep their eye on EngageFamilyGaming.com uh, for more information. Evan's going to be, uh, Evan is on summer vacation, so he's going to be helping make some more content for the site and help things. Yep. Um, because he's not at school, so we're going to give him something pr- productive to do. So this has been our ride-along discussion for E3 2018 with Evan. Uh, I do hope that you guys have a wonderful day. And until next time, get your family game on. Bye now. Bye. Hello, everyone. This is Steven back with my special guest, Jen Sandercock. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you very much. First off, thank you so much for coming on our show. I know you have a super busy schedule promoting your Kickstarter, among other things. Um, so thank you very much for that. Um, you're here to promote, um, other than just talking to me, which everybody wants to do. Um, you are here to promote uh, the Edible Games Cookbook. Um, you want to teach people to play with their food, which... Yes. That is an amazing, like, just that title of the Kickstarter campaign is pretty amazing. Um, So, before we get into talking about you, because you've been doing games for a while, done some really cool projects, um, tell me about the, uh, it's not the game, you're making a dozen games, Um, tell me about your project. What is it in a nutshell? Uh, Oh, goodness, that's hard to do in a nutshell. Um... God, but I do like nuts. Um, anyways, it's uh, 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm getting distracted by food because that's what I think about a lot of my day. Um, because same. the games that I make, same, same. <laughs> yeah, the games that I make are all about food. So interesting uh, ways to play with food, um, and it's not just about like eating so that that's a reward, like you capture somebody's piece. It's about how does uh, food inform the gameplay. Um, so there's a range of different games for different um, ages, different um, baking skill abilities, sure. um, and they're all just about food and you can't play them unless you eat them fair enough and so obviously um making a board game with food and then shipping it around the world would be a giant logistics nightmare so as a result you're making a cookbook um and this way i mean you're getting you're giving people you know not only the games themselves but the experience of making them which as someone who knows a number of people who bake and who uh, and my wife, my wife loves to cook. Um, you can't see me super well, but trust me, my wife loves to cook. And um, so, no, that's half of the process. Sometimes more than half of the process. The ability to just make it and enjoy making it, and really experiencing people enjoying your stuff. So, to a degree, that's just you're giving people more than just a game. Not to diminish game creation but i think that's a really neat thing right the um everyone who listens to the show knows that i have huge respect for people who make games because it's super hard um i'm too dumb to do it so the uh so you're taking it a step farther you're teaching people how to really kind of bake and kind of enjoy that experience all at the same time yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm trying to make sure I give people options along the way to modify it as well so that they can do a little bit of uh, game design based on, you know, like I'm like, this is what I think could be a great experience, but here's ways to, you know, if you don't want to do the baking, here's ways to shortcut that. Or if you're playing with different players or the group that you're playing with doesn't like particular rules, here's ways you can change the rules a little bit to make them more suitable for your group. Sure. Because, I mean, the first thing you learn about cookbooks is they're just suggestions. Right. I mean, that's the first thing my wife told me was she's like, oh, we don't have to follow everything. And I was like, but these are instructions you're supposed to do. And she's like, no, no, honey, this is how this works. So I imagine that that's going to be the same in a lot of in a lot of the houses that back this. So um, you're cruising along towards the finish line. I'm hoping by the time that this comes out, I'm just gravy. I, I'm, you know, so that's my hope. I know you're crossing your fingers. I'm allowed to curse things um, because I'm not actually involved in the campaign. So I can say all the gushy positive you're going to do with things. You still have to stress about it. I'm sorry. Um, such is the life of a creator. So um, let's talk about, um, let's talk about you a little bit. We've talked, you know, we'll come back to the games. So I read this awesome write up while preparing for this podcast that was in Atlas Obscura, which was, Interesting. So it's not it's not very common that I get to read a uh, like a a piece about a Kickstarter campaign that I'm going to be covering in a non gaming website. So this was really interesting for the uh, for uh, for me. I'm sure it was interesting for Ann Eubank. She's the writer uh, because I'm sure she was not the most. Um, you know, you know, I, I doubt she was a huge gamer. Um, maybe she is. I don't know. She doesn't really talk about it, but it must have been a really interesting experience for her seeing she looks like she's a foodie. So, um, so it said some stuff. So you, you are, uh, Australian. Um, we all figured that out as soon as you started talking. Um, and you were a mechanical engineer, computer science. So you've got like a real techie background. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, and, <laughs> And and you're making a cook and you're making a cookbook. <laughs> that's a that yeah, feels like a voyage. It's it sounds and I'm not insulting it. It sounds like there's a voyage that you've taken. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like um, growing up, the school that I went to very much um, praised academic um, achievements, um, and I was good at that, and I liked doing that stuff, and I liked getting praise. So sure, I just concentrated on the technical things. I felt like that was a really good um, career path. Um, and then as I sort of went on, I sort of felt mm, like it was less and less for me and that I wanted to do something a bit more creative. Um, and so I found game design because game design is kind of a really great marriage between doing creative things and technical things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, you know, like I like baking. And so then like the game stuff merged into, well, let's combine baking and, uh, and my games because I, I like experimenting with things that way. I mean, it sounds like a really great equation to me. Um, you're, the way you're, the way you describe that voyage, right? Um, 
that's really comforting to me. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. So my kids all go to a magnet school in Connecticut, um, and it is very tech focused, very tech focused. Um, and you know, like they all learn Japanese and everything is like STEM, 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 you know, and my son, my oldest son, um, wants to be an illustrator. And, you know, my wife and I had been concerned for the longest time. I mean, concern with a lowercase c, like, you know what I mean? We're not writing letters, but concerned that, you know, pushing, you know, giving him this like strong technical background might in some way impede that ability to be creative. Um, even though we see that like in his projects that he does at home and, you know, he, he draws and all sorts of stuff. Um, but we were concerned. And so hearing that, that we have this successful person who did all this stuff, um, and studied techie stuff and is now in a creative pursuit. That's certainly comforting to me that maybe, maybe we didn't, maybe we did not break my kid is what I'm saying. (laughs) So there's hope, there's hope. No, I mean, part of me somewhat wishes that I'd worked out that I could do a creative career earlier on in my life, but then I kind of wouldn't be me and I probably wouldn't have found the the way that I have. So yeah, you know, (laughs) sure. Sure. Well, speaking of the mar- of a reasonable marriage between technical and creative, you have a producer credit on a video game um, called Thimbleweed Park, which is something that we have talked about briefly on this show in the past. It's not exactly for kids, um, but it is an adventure game, which I enjoyed a great deal. And, you know, nobody reads the credits at the end. I'm going to start because I have found that I just accidentally am talking to or running into um, people who made or were involved in the creation of some of my favorite things. Um, So Thimbleweed Park's an adventure game with a really interesting art style. It's kind of like a send up of, you know, Maniac Mansion and like those point and click adventure games in the past. How, how, how was it working on that? It was amazing. Um, Yeah, I really, I really loved it. Um, when I was, I mean, one of the reasons I'm in the games industry is because I love point and click games back in the, um, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Sure. Um, and so to be able to work with some of the people who made some of the games that I loved when I was younger was really awesome. And they were very um, inclusive and like I was a bit worried because I was newer to the industry. Um, and then even though like I'm now almost 10 years in the industry, it was still new compared to people who've been sure. making games since the 80s. Um, so yeah it was it was awesome and like it's funny because you know we we have put the game as being like 13 plus sort of thing but we get stories from people who've played with their children and uh and it's worked out really well yeah i mean there's certainly stuff that would probably go over kids heads yeah no no yeah i feel like i feel like uh a lot of people have been playing the game how we really intend it, which is multiple people kind of contributing, only one person controlling and everybody else going, hey, how about you try this? How about you do that? Oh, I agree. I, I, I throw out the not necessarily for kids. I do that for just about everything that ends up getting a T rating for the ESRB because when it all comes down to it, I mean, it's a, it's it's just media. So, you know, I know plenty of parents that let their 10-year-old read um, – you know, they, they, I, I know plenty of parents that let their 10-year-old read, um, what is it? Oh my goodness, I lost the movies. Um, either way, it doesn't matter. It's okay. This isn't the movie podcast. I, I let my 12-year-old play Destiny. And Destiny is, you know, an intense shooting game and you're shooting aliens and stuff. But because they're unambiguously evil, I, I let him shoot them. Um, but I don't, we don't let him play Call of Duty because those are actual human beings. Um, so, like, we make, we make that decision in ourselves. Everybody's up to and makes those decisions themselves. So I certainly enjoyed Thimbleweed Park. I laughed. Uh, it's, there are very few games that, like, really make me laugh when I then go, man, maybe I shouldn't have laughed at that because it's a little dark. And then I'm like, well, whatever, I'm going to laugh at it. Um, so you like to po- you mentioned point-and-click adventure games, which I have a fondness for as well. Is there one from your childhood that sticks out as, you know, something that really influenced you? Uh, I mean, I guess, like, uh, the Monkey Island series as well as Leisure Suit Larry. I was a big fan of Leisure Suit Larry. So. You know, you know, he's back. They're making a new one. Yeah, but I mean, I, as far as I know, Al Lowe, the creator, is has nothing to do with that. Yeah, he so doesn't. I'm gonna trust it. Also, <laughs> is it? I mean, 
as two, like, grown-ups who interact with the video game industry, I don't know if Leisure Suit Larry really has a place in 2018. Maybe not? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at the time for me growing up, like, it was, I don't know, it, it, it felt like I was doing something somewhat dodgy that I shouldn't be, and I was learning a bit about the world, and the story was fun, and I actually found it kind of empowering as a woman because he was kind of so terrible um and he kind of got his comeuppance in most respects um for it but yeah i don't know if uh, these days particularly with me too it seems like uh i don't know how they're going to make that work yeah i mean especially since the original creator is not involved right like it's just the license and my fear is that you take that theme and you just and they're just like, well, we're just going to go bananas. And, man, that it could go horribly wrong. I mean, who knows? Give, I'll give them uh, – fine. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll be great. And hopefully it is. But could also be a dumpster fire. But, you know, we'll all find out. So um, so you made some video games. You made Thimbleweed Park, by the way, great. And in, you actually bring it up in your Kickstarter because you um, – because that's relevant because Thimbleweed Park was a Kickstarted game. Um and you did a lot of the, you know, you handled a lot of the back end stuff as far as the Kickstarter. So, like, this is your first Kickstarter, but it's not your first Kickstarter, if you follow. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So, yeah, with Simbuy Park, because we were a small team, I did a lot of stuff, you know. So, I mean, I started on as a coder designer, and then I started doing producer stuff. And then because nobody else was doing it, I was like, hey, I'm going to take over looking after the backers and making sure we get things to backers. And that was um, really fun and very fulfilling. And I, I still I still do the Simboy Park social media at the moment. So if any backer has a problem right now, I'm I'm addressing that still. Uh, <laughs> Not that there's any backers who have problems anymore. <laughs> it's yeah, all the ones who. <laughs> yeah, it's more like you know, it, it's it's almost like community management at this point. Yeah. Which, uh, yet another uh, creative hat that you have to put on because community management is like part-time content creator, part-time project manager part-time customer service um part-time logistics manager because at one point you guys you were probably basically just a ups office at your desk um well, we we got uh, we got fan gamer to do the fulfillment oh you did oh, all right yeah we didn't we didn't do fulfillment ourselves there was like seventeen thousand backers there was no way i mean a lot of that was digital um but we did have a lot of people getting boxes and we just we couldn't do that ourselves. fan gamer do it well hey you know what good i mean you 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 had to deal with them though. So, um, but still, oh, but um, they were I loved dealing oh, with them. They good? They're good. Oh yeah. My only experience with them is like booths at PAX East and they're always super nice, but I know that's not actually them. That's like, I'm sure Pete locals that they hire. Um, not a lot of that is actually them. So, oh, because I've seen, I go to PAXs a lot and the team is there behind the scenes or oh, selling really? stuff. Well, yeah. Then here I am just, talking out of my rear end um i don't know what i'm saying listen guys my whole credibility is shot i don't know what i'm doing but hey they run they run a tight ship every time i go there everything's running smooth and considering it's at a pax where just everyone is just everywhere all at once i can only imagine them handling that stress so um so that, the, all of that stress has absolute and all that creative work on thimbleweed park and other things has absolutely prepared you for running your own show and so that leads us to um the uh, edible games cookbook which um is a completely different endeavor because it's a little bit of board game design but also you're producing with a team it looks like um a, a real color cookbook which have you ever worked on anything like that before no, I have not worked on a cookbook before, which is certainly why before I launched my Kickstarter, I um, I completed three chapters in their entirety to sort of learn about what's going on. And like the first photo shoot we did, I was so clueless. And even just like in the second one, I'm like, okay, I know what. I know what I need to do. And so a lot of it's like a lot of prep beforehand. So the very first meeting I had with my photographer, she asked me a bunch of questions and I was just like, I whoa yeah okay I did not I have no idea and so like I went away and did some research I spoke to her some more and now like I know all the right questions to ask and I know how to do um the rest of the chapters well one thing that anybody that might have concerns about this 
campaign should feel comfortable with is that you really have no problem just diving in to stuff that you don't know and just making the best of it and making it work. I mean, um, that, that kind of enthusiasm um, in the face of like newness is impressive. So, um, you know, so bravo to that. So how, um, so your photographer, obviously making a cookbook, you need a good food, a good food photographer, which, Truth be told, until very recently when we started, you know, investing in video and, you know, stills for the website, I had no idea that there were different kinds of photographers. Um, I just thought that everybody, like, I mean, I assumed that there were specialties, but I didn't know that, I figured anybody with a camera would know how to shoot anything. Um, for the most part, and really, a food photographer, did you have to go find specifically a good food photographer? I did. I did. And the thing was, I didn't want somebody who was just good at food because I knew that with um, with this kind of having games in it, I wanted to be able to get photos of people playing the games sure. because sometimes like you just need those pictures to help people understand what's going on. So I needed somebody who was really great at food, but also really great at taking lifestyle pictures of humans doing stuff. And, and that combination was a little bit hard to find, but I'm very happy with Kate. She's amazing. I mean, from the pictures that I have seen so far, by like clicking through some of the stuff on the on the campaign, because I'm presuming she did some of the pictures for the campaign, right? Oh, she did all of the pictures oh, for the she campaign. Did. Yeah. Okay, well, very impressive work so far. Um, so, um, uh, if I may ask one question, this is something that I ask all of my creators. Um, you're a game designer. You're obviously very accomplished, tech savvy, etc. Specifically, why are you making this game slash project? Like, you could have made anything. Why this specifically? Um, because partly because barely anyone else is doing this, something like this. I think it's really cool. Um, I really love like doing stuff with food, and I just think it's something that's easy and accessible for anybody to make um, and the reason I'm doing it as a cookbook is kind of like you said I can't really ship stuff to people I mean I might be able to work that out if I become some big corporate something who knows how to do stuff with f physical food or whatever to send to people um, and you know my other options were attempting to go around to festivals and show it to people which means you know sometimes I turn up somewhere and people have food allergies and they can't play the particular version so yeah, that all makes total sense to me. Um, I mean, the idea of going around to festivals, uh, let alone the food allergy thing, my thought would be like, who, like, man, that sounds like a slog, you know, traveling all these different places, setting up at a, at a food fest. Um, I go to like three or four conventions a year, and that's a lot for me. I could only imagine if that was your entire business model. I, I, I you went the right route as far as I'm concerned. This sounds like a yeah. great idea. I have done a lot of festivals, um, like I've probably done at least a dozen festivals over the past couple of years, and I've certainly learned what uh, what works better and what doesn't, and ways to not have to bake for like a week beforehand, because that's really draining. I can only imagine. I just, I'm just sitting here shaking, thinking about it. So, um, so there are 12 games in this book, and um, the... So the, 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 the most interesting one, this is going to sound crazy. The, the one that I find interesting is the, uh, the one that's meant for kids to trick them into eating their vegetables. Um, veggie land. Yeah. Veggie land. Thank you. Um, I think that is ingenious. Um, <laughs> um, just because I imagine that there are plenty of like really stubborn, like kids that are just also really susceptible to game mechanics um and just tricking kids into eating their vegetables in the most gamey way possible so where did where did that come from i mean it, it was that just a natural thing that just popped into your head while you were whiteboarding the games to make or did were you solving a need for someone i mean it's kind of a bit of a bit of both of those things in terms of like many of the games that I sort of started making were more dessert focused just because that's what I'm most comfortable making myself. I'm not as good making main meals for people. Sure. Um, and, and also because like 
anything, a lot of savoury things like biscuits, they can sit outside for like ages and not need refrigeration. And so anytime you start adding anything else in, it, you know, maybe you've got time issues with like the stuff going off. Um, but I knew I wanted to do something with vegetables and then, you know, talking to kids and having, like when I was a kid, I kind of hated a bunch of vegetables and I just went, yeah, I really want a game that encourages kids to eat vegetables. Um, and so, yeah, I just created a game around that and I made sure that it was never like forcing kids to eat their vegetables. Like at any point in the game, you can choose not to move and not eat whatever vegetable it is. If you really, really hate the next one in line, you're just going to get to the end more slowly. So it's kind of like a trade-off for a kid. Do you want to eat this thing that you don't like and progress, or do you want to sit and wait for something that's going to taste better? You just gamified eating vegetables. I mean, I can't, I can't get mad at that. I also love just the. Um, you know, I'm looking through some of the pages that you put up in the Kickstarter and like when it rates the difficulty and it's like these little colored oven mitts, I, it's just super adorable the way the little, the graphic layouts work. So there's 12 games in the book. Um, so have you done like a lot of testing for all of them with kids or are there some that are, you know, kind of adult dinner party kind of things? What, what What's your philosophy on that? Um... So where I am at the moment, I don't have access to a lot of kids to torment. Sure. I mean, play. Um, so, um, so they they definitely have been more uh, focused tested with adults and stuff. Sure. Um, but I have I have had chances to play with kids, and going forwards with the book, I definitely want to try to reach out to more children, more parents, to make sure that what I'm you know for games that are specifically targeted at kids that they work for kids. Awesome. That sounds great to me. Um, I mean, from what I can see, I don't think there will be a problem. Um, you know, I, I, part of me was just hoping that there was some story of a kid that just like, you know, was doing something crazy, but because kids do crazy stuff. But um, so. Well, well, so recently I was in the I was in the Netherlands playing Taste Buddies Blind, and that was like there was some kids there, and that was fascinating to see. Like I got two groups of kids coming through that I can particularly remember um and uh one was like a brother and sister and they got so like the sister got so excited about stuffing weird things into the brother's mouth it was fantastic and then uh another group came through and the kid um who was like supposed to be eating all these different things he had one and it was like you know everybody had been very nice to him and given him very nice flavored things but he just like refused to eat the next one he's just like nope i am done here so it was just kind of interesting to see the range you know so some kids are like hi ah, this is out of my comfort zone but i'm going to give this a try because this is fun or i can torture my brother or sister and then other kids maybe you need to adjust the rules a little bit more to make them uh <laughs> more comfortable with it sure well i mean that's as it is with most kids just because you know when you when you depend on it things go awry with uh especially when dealing with kids it's kind of like making movies playing games with kids can be tough now um one of the I read a number of write-ups, you know, shut up and sit down and, you know, some of the other ones and everybody kept coming back to, um, the order of the oven mitt. So this feels like, you know, of the one of the games that were, are being shown off in the, uh, Kickstarter campaign, this looks like the most gamey quote unquote game there is. This is, you know, almost like an abstract strategy game where you build the pieces and as they are captured, you get to eat them. Um, and this is this is a three oven mitt difficulty, which I'm guessing is means that it's pretty tough. Um, how did you? So I mean, it'd be impossible for me because I'm terrible at cooking slash baking. I'm sure for you, it's a, it's a it's a it's a nothing. Um, how uh, so? How did you prototype this and go through it? Like, I mean, were you baking just every day, or did you make cardboard bits just to get through it and just say, oh, I ate this? <laughs> Um, yes, I mean, part of the reason that that game shows up a lot is because it's probably been around a bunch and I've shown it at a lot of festivals, so a lot of people have been able to actually um, play it. Um, I actually created it in the Global Game Jam two years ago, so that's okay. where you have to make a game with 48 hours. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I'd spent a lot of time brainstorming. I mean, the, that, the version that I ended up with, I prototyped a bit with cards and that kind of worked and then I just 
started baking and writing the rules on the bus into the venue and stuff. And it turned out that it worked really, really well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think what's interesting for when people play it is they're sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. It's like chess and I'm just going to eat the, the thing that comes out of it. They don't – it like once they start playing it, they go, oh, actually, there's a lot of strategy here because the strategy is really, hey, I have different food preferences to you and that really matters in terms of what you want to attempt to capture and whether you're going to be mean to the other player to – take away what they're trying to aim for or get it closer to them. Awesome. So at, at what point did you know this was eventually going to be made out of food? Like minute zero or was this? I was minute zero. So yeah, I mean, I went into the global game jam knowing I wanted to make an edible game. So I'd already started making a couple of edible games at that point oh, okay. And, um, I was working um, full-time on Thimbleweed Park at the time, so I was like, oh, well, look, I'm going to take a weekend, I'm going to make an edible game, we'll see what happens, and it turned out it was really awesome. So That's what I, I mean, it, it looks that way to me. I mean, you did win a, there was an award that you got from the Indiecade, um, at least that's what the uh, the, the campaign yep. says, um, which is, it does not really surprise me now that I see it. It's just crazy, this whole idea of a game jam, and if we could, like, pause on that for a moment, because I think that's, something we haven't talked about on my podcast for a while, so newer listeners. So, a game jam, tell me if I'm crazy, this is where a bunch of lunatics get together um, and torment themselves over 48 hours and make a game. So, I so the way I approach game jams is not to torment myself. I say, okay, I'm going to sleep minimum six hours every night, if not eight hours a night, and maybe I'll sleep in in the morning, so I don't care, and I'm just going to make a game within, like, way less than 48 hours, basically. Okay. So, because if I kill myself and, like, I've got a full-time job, I'm never going to survive on Monday. It's just not worth it. So, um, I just do it uh, a bit more casually. So, you are – thank you, my son, for slamming the door at the top of my office. Um I'm in my basement. That's where my office is. And so we, we I, I'm regularly, uh, I have a guest appearance from my basement door. Um, forgive me. So, okay, so you're a reasonable human being is what you're saying. Um, and yeah. and I approve of that. Um, I think of it almost like LARPing, because I, I used to LARP. I still do quite frequently. But back when I was in my 20s, It'd be like, I could stay up all night and I would see the sunrise and everything would be fine. And now that I'm like an old dude, like I really, I just want to go to bed early. I want to sleep in, and I can't, I can't be bothered because I don't want to. You know, I've got to go back to the day job that I actually care about because I need to like feed my kids and my dog. Um, so, um, but you're, pro I'm sure, like on the average, more people are closer to what you do than like the insane stories we hear about people that sleep for a half hour shift every like ten hours and punch out a mobile game. <laughs> I'm sure most yeah, people I'm, are probably in the middle. Yeah, I've I've done a lot of game jams, and there are the crazier people, and like often they just they burn out and they don't end up making anything that they're happy with, and they just struggle to survive afterwards. So, um, so yeah, earlier this year I actually did an even more intense game jam compared to normal. I did a train jam, which is uh, where everybody gets on a train in Chicago and catches the train to San Francisco, and they have to make a game on the train. I um, heard about that. I, I think it's super cool that, that I'm talking to someone that was on it. Um, there is a similar one that is for uh, bloggers and writers, and I like super want to do that. Um, but my the general, that is my wife, um, uh, has uh, has advised me that it's not a great idea. <laughs> um, but one day I'm going to. It's like bucket list level stuff. Um, just because I think that idea just sound like. First off, I just think the idea of the train ride just seems kind of interesting because I've never taken a train ride that long. Um, yeah, we, so, um, a funny story. So I went to E3 last year for the first time and my business partner looked at what it would cost time and money wise to take the train from Connecticut to LA. And I, and we figured out that it was insane because it saved like 
it, it, it ended up saving like 50 bucks. Um, and ah. the, uh, and it was going to take like a week to get from just because of all the stoppages and all the, you know, whatever. Um, and so it really wasn't any help at all. And, and so, um, but the, I desperately want to someday, someday I will, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but I just like the idea of that, of the, the, tra- the train jam. So the, you could just, did you have like, when you were there, did you, were you in one of the cars where there was like a bed or is it just like a chair? Like how, tell me about this train jam. I'm super curious. So there's options, right? Like, so they book out the entire train, so it's all just game developers. Um, and there's some, like, coach class people who are, like, sitting in chairs. Um, there are some who are in slightly small little rooms that can turn, like, can either be chairs or a bed. And then there's slightly uh, larger rooms as well. Um, I ended up being in one of the slightly larger rooms. Like, there was no way I could do it in a chair because it's, like, 52 hours or something and I am too old for that so uh, yeah I mean it kind of blew my budget I may not be able to ever do it again but it was an amazing experience so hey listen I mean sometimes experiences are worth it so I will not uh, question that that sounds awesome so did you did you make one of the games that's in the cookbook yeah so I made Taste Light is Blind um, on the train jam with a group of other people oh awesome is that it's really great now, the fact that the train is just nonstop game developers, it has to be kind of an interesting environment for, like, networking and stuff, too, right? Like, I mean, you're meeting people, or are you just so heads down on your project that... No, I mean, so I wasn't very heads down on my project. Like, partly I was like, hey, I really love train ships. I want to look out the window, and and the rest of my team were also on board with that. We were all like, yeah, we'll... we'll try to do a bit of work for an, a couple of hours and we'll go have lunch, we'll go look out the windows and then we'll get back together later. Um, yeah, there was a lot of opportunities to network and chat to other people. Um, I volunteered to be like a mentor for some of the time. So they have this whole schedule so that there's always somebody um, around who can help out with any issues or offer game design advice or whatever um, that person's expertise is. So that was, that was really fun. I got to meet some nice people that way. Awesome. So, um, man, I didn't, I did not know you went on the train jam. I did not read that anywhere, but I am so glad that we got a chance to talk about it ever so briefly. I think that idea is just so cool. I mean, the train trip thing, I think there's just something like, there's just, it's got to do something to your brain. Just seeing the countryside, just fly away, uh, fly by as you go. It's gotta be neat. I'm going to do it. I am telling the audience (laughs) I'm going to do it. And if I record a podcast every day while I do it, then it's a tax write-off. We'll just, uh, uh, right? Isn't that how that works? I won't get in any trouble with the government for that. It'll be fine. So, um, anyway. So, um, while making this, so you're making the cookbook, you've started working on it. How, how long have you been working on it? On and off. Um, I mean, I've, I guess I've been making my edible games for over two years, and I know I'm that this is kind of going to be my final aim but I was working full-time on Thin Boy Park for a while and then last summer I worked on a board game for the Alexa which is actually just now coming out so I was just working on it over summer um and then since probably about what would be about November I've been working full-time on this so and that's like finalizing exactly which 12 games were going to be in there, working on those first three chapters, working on the Kickstarter campaign to make sure I had everything set up for that. Um, So, yeah, it's just been a lot of work getting all of that done. So I'm hoping that I will fund and then I can just actually keep working on the games because that's what I'm best at. I am not so good at this part where I'm trying to fundraise. I am really good at making the games. I I get that. And you know what? I've talked to a lot of Kickstarter, you know, creators – over the years engage family games been around for about five years so i've been i've talked to a lot of creators and that is the one part that a lot of people get kind of stressed out about because they you know you're a creative type right so you're you want to get heads down in the dirt you know making your thing whether it be a board game or a video game or in this case kind of you know a a a, you know a, a board game but more than that because you've got graphic design and layout and you know writing that stuff that is kind of extra layers on top of it and um fundraising was never part of anybody's you know when we all signed up for this fundraising was not what we want what we ever wanted to do i struggle with the same thing right like we have a patreon and you know it's tough for me to you know sometimes bring it up just because it's not 
necessarily what I signed up for. However, so I fully empathize with those feelings. And I do. I want you to fund so you can do this and then sell a million books and then you can just make another one and you can just do this for the rest of time. That would sounds that sounds great to me because I I can't wait to have this book in my hands and take a look at it. So um, so we've got 12, 12 games. How do you – so I talk to a lot of creators that have one game and it's their baby. And it's so you have twelve games, and I and you you had to decide on what twelve to get in there. So you really you have more than twelve babies here. Like, how do you narrow it down to like your twelve favorite children? <laughs> um. So I guess it's like some of the ideas that I have just won't work as well in book format. Okay. Um. So it's like trying to work out what's going to work in book format, what's going to give me a range of different games, so it's not like all games that are very, very similar. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, it's like I've got more edible game ideas that I want to work on, but these 12 are, are really great. And at some point I just had to call it and go, these are the 12 that it's going to be. And, uh, yeah, everything else will have to wait until something else happens. <laughs> sure. Um, really, that, that was kind of the answer I, I almost expected. Um, but I just wanted to hear it. I didn't know – I mean – was there a game that was like right on the bubble, like at number thirteen, where you were like, "Sorry, bro, I I love you. It's not you. It's it's me." And then just get rid of it. I mean, well, well. So actually, I mean, if I fund my very first stretch goal, will be a thirteenth game, oh. a Baker's Dozen. Of Baker's Dozen. Oh man, it's so perfect. Oh, I know. Man. That's so, so I, perfect. I know what. I know what that 13th game will be. So I really, really hope I not only fund, but I manage to reach my first stretch goal uh, level. So, uh, uh, yeah, but other than those, like, ones that I have, I do I do have some other ideas for games. Like there was one that I wanted to do with um, beverages or liquids that wasn't, like, about a drinking game, about getting drunk. Um, and then there was a game I was considering doing where it was, like, uh, kids versus dogs, you know, like <laughs> a very silly game where, uh, you know, I guess, you know, kids and dogs, there's a lot of things that both of them will eat. So why don't we try to play a game where we test the noses against the brains? Sure. Tell me that your 13th game is called A Baker's Dozen. Is it actually called A Baker's Dozen? No, no. it is Man, all right, that's fine. That's fine. It's a lost okay. opportunity. And as long as you admit that it's a lost opportunity, I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> Well, except you could do it with like it's it's a game with cakes with okay. a cake, and you could do it with thirteen layer a thirteen layer cake. All right, so it's, that's a big cake. That's, a, that's an aggressive yeah. cake. All right, that's fine. That's fine. The <laughs> fact that there's a thing with lots of cake because I I love cake. Um, hopefully we get to that so that then that way I get to play it. But maybe you know whatever we'll be fine. But here's what I really find I'm really excited about, and tell me if this. Like, when this game, when this book funds, which it, it damn will, um, it will. I feel it. I'm feeling positive. Um, so, you're going to, I mean, I can only imagine how cool, like, some of the content that's going to come out of some of the, the content creation community, like, on Instagram and videos and the YouTubers have got to be going bananas. Like, this is, this to me, this is exciting just because this is a whole, like, people are going to be able to do some really neat stuff just by making your games. I mean, are you ready for the the craziness of people, like, coming out there and making? Because right now, everything is made by you and maybe, like, some of your testers. Like, are you ready for, like, the Pinterest fail version of Flavor <laughs> Roulette? Uh, I don't know if one can ever be ready for that, potentially. Um, so, I mean, already I've seen some people making The Order of the Oven Mitt because that chapter is available for people to download. Okay. And so a few people have done that. And that's just – it's really lovely to see different versions, different um, candies on the top. Um, so, yeah, I w I'm very excited to see how other people do stuff. Um, I, I – yeah, I really want to see that. I – Man, I can't. I'm well. I'm. I am gonna go start looking at the Instagram and see if I can find some. I, I want to see some of the stuff. Um, I was I, looking at Instagram recently, and I couldn't see anything on Instagram oh, it's yet. Not there yet. So. Oh, it's, all right. Well, I'll no. I'll find it. Where? So I'll find stuff, and I think it's inevitable. This is that's one of the things that I'm loving the idea of my you know my wife and me and the kids making some of these things, playing them, um, and just taking pictures of some of the the, the stuff. I warn you, if I do it. 
it's gonna look bad. I'm just I'm just warning you. But I'm we're I mean one of the reasons I'm excited about this is because I want to try making some of these things, and so I just want to warn you uh, when I bring your attention to some of my creations, they're gonna look terrible, but I'm sure that it's gonna be fine. Just don't judge me yeah. too hard. Oh no, I definitely I, I I won't judge people. No, I mean it's like with the order of the oven mitt. Like I I feel like I've tried to put in like cheats so that you don't actually have to bake anything at all. You could just go and buy some square crackers and put some different flavored things on top, and then uh, print out uh, print out the page that I've got in my sample chapter. For, it's got like a picture of the board, and then you just put the stuff on top of the board, and you can start playing straight away. I mean, that sounds like a cheaty way to do it. Like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to bake something, and it's just going to be horrendous looking. I mean, and that's okay. Um, this is just part of the deal. Before I did this interview, because I, I left the day job, and I have a uh, – there is one of the supervisors that works near uh, nearby is a prolific baker. She makes the most amazing cupcakes you have ever had. And, I mean, I'm sure you've had some great cupcakes. Listen, Mallory's cupcakes are – are exquisite and I told her that I was interviewing someone who made a who is making a cookbook full of board games that you can bake and she was immediately like holy crap I can't wait to see this so I cannot wait to report back to her and show some of the stuff and the fact that one of the things is free I'm, I'm going to show her maybe she'll make it I'll send you pictures because um, she's super thrilled that it's happening because she loves board games but she also loves like baking for other people and like dinner parties She's one of those people. And this just seems like it would fit perfectly for her and others like her. Um, while at the same time, it fits for, you know, families too, man. Like, an excuse to get in there, get your hands dirty making stuff, and then play with it and not get in trouble with mom. This sounds great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are really going to enjoy um, these games. So, yeah. Well, I'm, and you're supposed to say that, but I agree with you. So, um, <laughs> with that said, I think we're slowly running out of time because you got to get back to making this thing. Um, are there any parting words that you have for my audience? I would say don't be intimidated by some of the ones that look more hardcore. Give them a try. And if you are like somebody who absolutely loves baking, then you will be at home um, and you can make them even more hardcore. Some of them require no baking, but I've got techniques to add extra baking in if you want to. <laughs> Look at you, the dark souls of cookbooks. So um, thank you very much, Jen, for coming on my show. It was real. This has been a pleasure. Uh, I'll have to have you on maybe after your book fun so we can talk a little bit more. Um, and maybe I'll make some stuff first so we can talk about how bad I am at it. Um <laughs> So, um, th again, thank you very much. Everybody listening, here's your job. Your job is um, you don't have to back it. I can't tell you what to do with your money, but what you can do, share it on social media, You know, send this podcast to somebody else. Um, everyone knows that person that likes to bake. Everybody does. It is our responsibility to show this to that person. So please do so. Um, and also do me a favor. If you know somebody that doesn't know about my show maybe you know maybe tell them make it be the same person that sounds great to me um because growing my audience means growing this kickstarter campaign which is what i want to do but also you know it helps me do cool stuff so until next time folks this has been episode 140 something of engage a family gaming podcast i really appreciate you listening um and i hope you enjoyed listening as much as jen and i enjoyed uh, recording next week we're back only talking about board games i promise um and um until next time have a great week and don't forget to get your family game on we'll see you next week bye we did it yeah awesome well, thank you very much Thank you for listening. Tune in next week.